When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, parents. Tim Wright here. I'm here, as always, with Dr. Michael Gurian. I'm coming to you from Peoria, Arizona, in Phoenix, and Michael from Spokane, Washington. And uh, we're really glad to be with you today. We've got another listener question that uh, I know you're going to enjoy. And uh, Michael, uh, one of the ways that people can send questions to us, of course, is our Facebook page, where if people go there, they, they just hit the join button, Wonder Parenting, and uh, join the Facebook group there, and they can put their questions there and I'll grab some of those once in a while, but there's great information that parents are sharing, or they can go to our website, wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com. And there's a form they can fill out and send questions. And they can also learn about our sponsors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you, I always um, defer to you to talk about the Ford school because you've been working with them for a while. And uh, just uh, again, every week we get new listeners. So tell us about the Ford school. Yeah. It's uh, Embark at the Forge School. Embark is the company that does residential treatment. And then the Forge School is one of the schools that they they run. And uh, Embark at the Forge School, it's um, the school itself is in uh, Benton, Tennessee, which is rural Tennessee, 55 acres around near a river. Gorgeous, uh, great facility, great grounds. It's for um, boys 14 to 17. So if if someone listening knows a boy 14 to 17 who's having really, you know, big issues with depression, with anxiety, um, uh, mental health issues, uh, look at the Forge School because it's residential. It's got the coaches are there, staff, you know, psychiatrists. I mean, it's just a really good facility. So 14 to 17-year-old boys and on wonderofparenting.com, you can go there and just click the Forge School link. Right. And uh, I'm not quite sure when this uh, will drop. Usually what Michael and I do is we get together on a Saturday for a couple hours and we record three podcasts. So not quite sure where this is going to be landing sometime February, March. But by now, probably most of you who had a New Year's resolution have already forgotten about that New Year's resolution. <laughs> and so maybe you need a little jump start. And uh, Greg Jantz, Dr. Greg Jantz has written some wonderful, wonderful books on just about any area of your life where you want to uh, sort of grow, maybe get better, get healthier. And whether it's anxiety, depression, eating, stress, whatever it is, he's written a book about it. And he is a director of the Center of Place of Hope up in the Seattle area. And I encourage you, I know Michael does too, to, to check out his books. And if you ever need some extra care, that's a good place to start. It's one of the top centers in the country for a lot of different issues. And uh, you can learn more about them, the Center of Place of Hope at wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. So uh, our question for today has to do with peer pressure and certainly uh, something that our kids all struggle with at every age level. Um, and before I read the question, Michael, are you familiar with the Waldorf schools? I am. Yep. Okay, so tell us for those of us who aren't, tell us a little bit about Waldorf schools. Yeah, so they're um, think Montessori, 
if people know mm-hmm. Montessori, but Waldorf. So even more kind of more nature, uh, less intense structure um, uh, than a traditional school. A lot of learning via nature and via, you know, attachment and play and, and bonding. And then they do have their own curriculum. Uh, they tend to be smaller schools. Uh, so does that help? Yeah. I mean, yeah founded by someone named Waldorf. Yeah. Got it. So here's the question, and it has to do with a Waldorf school. I don't know if the school itself is the issue, but just since we're going to use the name of the school, thought it'd be helpful to know uh, what sets them apart. So curious, your insight or direction to resources to help support our current situation. Our son is four years old, attending a Waldorf school's kindergarten program. The kindergarten is a mix of four to six-year-olds. Our goal this year was to have our son develop his social skills and thought a mixed age classroom would be a great would be great along with more low key Waldorf theory of education that spends much of the day outside. What we have found is that the class is made up of predominantly older boys, several of, several of them six years old, and that they have formed somewhat of a clique. Our son gravitates toward the six year old clique, trying to play with them but with his still developing skills of sharing, asking to play, etc., has left him not accepted by the group and is often told, you cannot play with us. Most recently, we have seen our son exhibit behavior and language with neighborhood kids and siblings younger than him that seems to be an expression of what he hears and uh, lives from the six-year-old boys at school, such things as, you are too young or too small, you cannot play with me, etc., To our knowledge, nothing has reached the level of bullying. Our son still loves to go to school, but we are concerned that he is not learning developmentally appropriate behaviors due to this negative influence from the older boys. Should we be concerned, or is this part of natural development as he learns a level of independence and what is and not okay behavior? Is this at a level of concern that we should consider removing him from school? Thank you for any thoughts or directions to resources that you can provide. Um, now there's a lot of ways that we can go on this particular question. We can go bigger. Uh, but as always, we like to sort of start with the question itself. So Michael, what do you have for us? Yeah. Um, I, it, it's normal. Uh, he, he's four years old and, he's four, and years so, old. Yep. he's four years old. I always want to remember that he's four years old and everything that's happening here, you know, is with definitely within the range of normal. It's, it's normal to, for the six-year-olds to tell a four-year-old, you can't play with me. I mean, all normal. There's a certain amount of resilience that's built by that kind of hierarchical um, play pattern. So the four-year-old, you know, has to then keep working to prove himself until the six-year-olds will let him play with them. And, you know, that's a normal part of development and and can be healthy. Um, uh, So I'll point out the things that can be healthy and then I'll, I'll kind of say, and I have this question. Um, that makes sense going in a, having a mixed, um, you know, multi-year classroom. So four five and six year olds together can be great. It really can be great because it allows for all of this kind of hierarchical development. Um, there hasn't been bullying. So great. It's just the six year olds are, they're basically saying to him, you know, prove, prove you can be like a six year old if you're going to play with us. Um, the, the, and like older brothers, at a certain point, they may get convinced, you know, but unlike older brothers who have the love of the child, you know, of their sibling, and then who are told by parents, you need to play with your younger brother. These guys may never, 
want him to play with them, you know, no matter what he does, because they are, they have their own click and, mm-hmm. you know, that would be sad, but it could happen. Um, and then in terms of the, the saying things, picking up words, picking up even more aggressive behavior that, that maybe the parents don't like, yeah, that, that's a definite concern. And, and so that leads me to ask these questions, you know, are we sure? And she said it at the end, should we take him out of this school? If, if he ends up at four years old, you know, using words and developing patterns that are, that do not fit the parents' values, then I think they take him out of the school. Mm. Um, because that system's already set up. Like, I don't think they can change that system. And I don't think they can blame those six-year-old boys um, for not playing with their son. And I don't know that they're going to get those six-year-old boys to change in terms of what they're saying, the words they're using. And, you know, they can lobby the school to try to say to them, that's not appropriate. You have younger kids here, but you know, reality is reality. Those six-year-olds are probably going to act the way they're acting. Um, So, so they may have to take this guy out. Um, And then with, with things like Waldorf and Montessori uh, and even traditional ed, you know, we always have to ask, is this the right place for my child, my four-year-old? And they, you know, Waldorf is more lower key. It isn't mm-hmm. as intense academically. They're, they they allow development to happen, you know, so they're not forcing four-year-olds to read, especially four-year-old boys, knowing that a lot of four-year-olds don't get their words enough yet to be able to read at four, right? So they're, they are more low key and they're, and they do more through kind of hands-on developmental attachment mm-hmm. bonding stuff. So it's a neat school, but- right. If this is going on, then then there are a lot of other options uh, for a four year old, and that and a, you know there's a lot of other preschool options, and it may be they do. Uh, mm-hmm. This may be a case where you can combat negative peer influence by removing the child from that. You know, whereas it's harder when they're twelve or fourteen, right? Because because you can't you're not going to take a child out of school because right. of that, but you do have the option with the four-year-old. So I think it is possible. Um, they don't, don't really say, you know, how bad the stuff is that right. this four-year-old's doing. Right. Um, I, I think about um, uh, even when I was growing up, now life apparently is a little different now. We had a lot more unstructured play when we were kids, right? It right. was just, we'd get up in the morning, we'd have breakfast and parents would say, all right, we'll see you for dinner, right? Just go, just right. go play. And and, you know, we had our neighborhood groups and they were made up uh, of different age groups. So, uh, you know, I had friends who were a little bit older than I was. Uh, I had two brothers right behind me. And so they and their friends sometimes would want to hang out with us. And we didn't want to because they were so immature. Um, but there was something really positive about some of the older boys with some of the younger boys and, and you know, you know, the hierarchy stuff that you talk about and you got to prove yourself and calling each other out, building resilience, that can be really positive. Um, but I remember that at a little older age, four years old, uh, he's four, seems like it's really young from, this is me talking now, mm-hmm. just as a guy who doesn't know anything about what you're talking about, four years old seems a little bit young to sort of be forced into hierarchical groups. Is there something to that? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, even when they said he's four and he's in kindergarten, I thought, well, boy, that's really young to be in kindergarten at age four. Um, A lot of times, like in Finland, they don't start their boys in kindergarten until six. 
So talk about from a, a brain science perspective, what that boy's brain is able to assimilate at that age versus what a six-year-old brain is able to assimilate and why that could be part of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, that's why I, I sort of am like, huh, maybe this guy, you know, maybe this isn't the right environment for him. Because yeah. uh, I'm, I'm with you totally. It's it's a, you know, that four-year-old is, well, it's not too young to put a four-year-old into a multi-age group. Let me respond to that. Right. It's not right. necessarily too young, like Montessori does it. And I, I can speak to Montessori because my kids went to Montessori from pre-K all the way through sixth grade. So they mm. were always in multi-age and it, it can, it can work. It, it can work. Um, and I think your instinct is right. In this case, he may just, you know, that four-year-old brain is different than the six-year-old brain. And, and he, he hears something that someone else says he accepts it, right? He, he's right. four years old. It's not as if he, his brain is able to go, Oh, well, I don't think that's right. You know, but then his parents say, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. right even though those six-year-olds said it you can't say it and he's he's okay i can't say that but then he goes back into that environment and he's going to say it again because right. he's just assimilating information constantly well and, and he, uh, he looks up to those boys right he's he, aspiring right. to be like those boys exactly yeah yeah well said yeah and whereas at six you know that those six-year-olds they should know a little better um you know and i i do think that that the teacher or their parents or someone you know needs to be saying to these six-year-olds, but we don't know what it is, right? But let's say they're using right. the F word. We're going to make yeah. this up because he's saying something the parents don't like. So let's say a six-year-old is using the F word and the four-year-old picks it up and brings it home and it worries the parents. Well, the six-year-olds, um, you know, that brain can get it. Those six-year-olds mm -hmm. can understand that if they use that word, they're going to experience discipline because that word is not appropriate. Um, uh, but boy, this, this four-year-old, it's a lot harder that two-year gap in brain development is significant. So that's mm -hmm. another reason why I, I, if they're, if they're worried about this environment, uh, you know, then, then it may not be right for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back to even the difference in my own kids, because they were two years apart, uh, and a, a daughter and a son. And it just seems like a world of difference between a six-year-old and a four-year-old who's, who wasn't that long ago was a toddler. Right. Oh yeah. And a six-year-old has already had a couple of years of school, probably. That four-year-old, it may be his first year. Um, and again, I I agree with you that that the mixed ages can be really helpful, but also there there are challenges, and the, the, this family's certainly experiencing that. Let's take the the focus out a little further. Um, and we've talked about this in some other podcasts, but this whole issue of peer pressure. Um, wanting to, for boys, you know, be a part of the in-group, wanting girls to be a part of the in-group. Um, how do we, how do we balance as parents uh, that really important social development of our daughters or our sons being in these groups where they're being challenged and there's peer pressure and, and sometimes that peer pressure is really good. Sometimes it's not. How do we help our kids navigate through that to become their their authentic selves? Yeah, we as as parents, we we take a multi-year approach to teaching them how to use peer pressure as as uh, part of their journey, you know, mm -hmm. to recognize it and then use it as part of their journey and and develop their line 
you know, they each, everyone has to have a line. I won't cross this line. And uh, the peers are going to try to push me to cross this line, but I'm not going to cross this line. And the child is learning values from the parents. Um, and so, you know, one of the <clears throat> one of the ways for kids to not give in all the time to peer pressure is that the parents and their family system are teaching them values and giving them so much love, you know, and and developing the trust with them that when they hit the line, they don't cross over it. Mm. Um, you know, the more distant the kids, the more distant our children are from our families, from our values, the less bonded and attached they are, you know, to us, um, the the more likely they are to cross over the lines with their peers. Um, uh, lines we don't want them to cross, bad lines, lines that can get them in significant trouble, sexting, you know, and then mm -hmm. it's child pornography and they're arrested. You know, I mean, that these lines, you know, crossing over, uh, right? So we want to be really attached and bonded. That's our first fail safe, quote unquote, against negative peer influence. Uh, they're always going to get negative peer influence, but against that influence, making them cross a line to where they have significant consequences. Um, and then in terms of their relationships, with their peers, I think we always have to be giving them the message that, you know, right, you're going to have some friends who are not healthy for you and who are going to try to hurt you or are going to try to get you into things. How are you going to handle that? We always want to be here for you. Mm -hmm. And then maybe if you don't want to talk to me, talk to your godmother or your grandparent, you know, always, always come and talk to us when you see peers taking you somewhere that is that you don't like, um, you're not alone. We can help you. Right. And then the third, the third thing is when they are in it with these peers and they're getting the peer pressure, um, hoping, trusting that they can resist and giving them the message that as they resist, they actually are building a self. That's a boundary. They're building a self. They're building a boundary. Mm -hmm. But then we got to know as parents, you know, because we've all lived it, we've got to know that there are times when, especially if there's any kind of alcohol use or drug use or anything that impedes the brain, that uh, kids are going to cross over with peers that are a negative influence. And if need be, we simply have to remove those peers from their lives. Yeah. You know, if that, <clears throat> that is sometimes a sacred act of parenting. Uh, I had to do it with one of my kids. Someone was taking her in the wrong direction and yeah. she was very mad about it. But I think I've talked, talked with some podcasts like a month or two later, she thanked us. So sometimes you do have to do that if the peer influence is that negative. And that's kind of like with this, if this is so negative, mm -hmm. if this peer pressure or this peer modeling is so negative, it's okay to remove the mm -hmm. child from that. The child is not going to lose life by not playing with Michael or Jimmy yeah. or whoever, you know, parents sometimes think, or the child will say, it'll be a huge trauma. You know, if I can't play with, with Jimmy again, it's not, <laughs> you yeah. know, within a month, the child is over it. So um, that may be something that parents have to do. And it's, it's tough, but we've done it and it's, it's doable. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about that and how maybe one of the things that we don't often do as parents is sort of ask our kids questions from time to time. What kind, what are you looking for in your friends? Um, mm. What are what are the healthy traits, and what are the things that you need to be aware of when you're in these relationships? Um, I was really fortunate when I grew up. Uh, my my peers were we we were all you know we bonded well. None of us wanted to get the other in trouble. You know we were just good guys. But I know that there were others, as I looked around at school, who just sort of wow, how did you end up in that group? And look what's happened to you. And, you know, they kind of lost their way. 
And so to, to help our kids navigate all that with love and grace. But you mentioned something, and I, I thought of it right away as you started answering the question. One of the areas of peer pressure you and I did not have to deal with had to do with online stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've been hearing from the Facebook whistleblower as of late um, that Facebook and Instagram knew going in uh, the challenges that this could have, especially on our daughters. But the peer pressure of being perfect and looking great online uh, has really, it's peer pressure on steroids. It is. And it's another example of where you just have to remove you have to remove the child from that influence. And uh, it's simply a matter of not, you know, if, 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 if someone, if someone listening to this, their child is, this is going to be more a tween or adolescent, you know, is Mm -hmm. depressed or anxious or, you know, look at devices and look at what's coming through those devices um, uh, through Instagram Snapchat, you know, TikTok, et cetera, and where the child is going and look at their browser history. Uh, it's your absolute right as a parent to do that. Your child yeah. has privacy in the bathroom, but you're, you know, uh, try privacy when changing his or her clothes, but not, not necessarily internet privacy. Um, uh, if you're at all worried as a parent. So, uh, check it all out and see, and if they're, if they're going, if they're 12 years old and they have a smartphone and they're going to places and getting influences that are, that are bad for them, take away the smartphone you know, uh, take away their internet access, at least at home, that's what you can control. Um, Have them go to a school where they're not allowed to use a smartphone, and they don't get on the internet during the day. So they can go, you know, do these things that we don't want them doing. Um, You have that that in the modern era is the equivalent of our our parents, or me and my, my daughter who's a millennial saying to her, you can't play with that person anymore. You know, we're done with right. that relationship. Yeah. Well, this is the mod- more modern equivalent is taking away their devices or uh, monitoring everything and and um, uh, doing the protective measures on the devices. Because you're right. That's where a lot of the negative influence is coming now. Yeah. Man, I remember this will date both of us when the big issue was our kids going over to someone's house for an overnight and hearing to our horror that they watched a PG movie. Right. Uh, you know, rather than a G movie. Uh, and holy cow, the, the, how innocent those days were uh, compared to now. Um, right. It does take us back to a podcast we did a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the way that mom's parent and dad's parent. And um, the research still tells us that moms and dads are still seen by their kids as their primary influencers. Mm-hmm. And to to use the assets that moms have and dads have to really pour ourselves into our kids in healthy ways to build that core self to really give our kids substance as they move through life to say this is who you are and these are the warning signs that your friends may be leading you to places that you are not and how important it is just for parents to stay involved we're a little nervous about it we're we've seen all the tv shows where they Parents take the phone away and the kids run away. Well, that's not reality for most nah, kids. Pretty they're, rare. They're, yeah. Yep. They're looking for mom, mom or dad, grandmas and grandpas to pour themselves in and say, look, you have value. They want to be protected. And I, I'm going on a little tangent here, but I do remember uh, my younger brother had some challenges in his life, younger in life, uh, got himself into a little bit of trouble, N- nothing major, major. 
But I remember him one time saying, I wish mom and dad had been stricter with me. He was the, he was the baby son. Mm. Uh, you know, he could do no wrong. Uh, and he, he one day said, I, I wish mom and dad had been a little stricter with me. Yep. And I think kids are sort of looking for that. They're, they need moms and dads to put some boundaries around them. And that helps with peer pressure. Oh, absolutely. You've said it. You know, how do kids learn boundaries? <laughs> they, they, as they individuate from their parents and as they, as they have to do these relationships that are they're the close relationships with like parents, godmothers, grandparents, you know, as they do those relationships, that that's where they're learning boundaries. And, and, uh, and part of how parents help kids learn boundaries is through what you're calling strictness, what we call authoritative parenting, you know, not authoritarian. So people right. may have, they may not like the word strict. So let me just be clear. We mean authoritative parenting, not authoritarian, which is, can be somewhat abusive and, and, fascistic, mm-hmm. but authoritative parenting. Kids don't like passive parenting. They don't want passive parenting. They may say it because, you know, yeah. they want to get something out of it, but but they don't like it. They don't want it. They want the boundaries to be taught and they want the parents to be, as you said, strict, or I would say authoritative. And, um, and this is something where we have a bit dropped the ball on devices. And now we're, you know, where we parents weren't authoritative, where the child said, I want, the child's eight and said, I want this device and the parents said, oh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and it, we were too passive and we didn't, we weren't authoritative enough. And so, so, um, uh, I think your brother, I think that's really wise and, and beautiful what he said. And I think parents maybe would be surprised. Well, mm-hmm. if, if th- those who are parents now thought back to when they were kids, I bet they would resonate with what you're saying. And so maybe now they, as parents of four-year-olds or six-year-olds or 12-year-olds, maybe now they don't have to be as worried that if they're strict or authoritative, their kids will hate them because, you know, I don't think their kids will. I think their kids will thank them. Yeah. Yes. And obviously when kids know they're loved, you know, and and sometimes they'll say, I'm doing this because I love you and not to hurt you, but because I love you, I think kids at a visceral level understand that when they know they're really loved, Hey, mom and dad are looking out for me. And I know that there are times when kids are just hoping mom and dad will step in and protect them because they can't save themselves in that moment. And they, they really need mom and dad to step in and uh, help them find the courage to sort of say to that friend, I, I gotta, I gotta get out of this relationship for a while. So uh, we still play, we're still parents and it's still sacred work. And, um, uh, so th- this is such a good topic because all of our kids are going to go through this. Oh yeah, every and all child. the parents, <laughs> every parent's going to agonize, uh, and and every dad is going to agonize over that first boy that his daughter yep, brings home, or right. that mom is going to look at that girl that her son's dating and think, "What was he thinking?" So all of that stuff is just about the the wonder of parenting, and um, so we're we're glad we can spend some time chatting with you all about that. Yeah. Um, Michael, you. thank you so much. <laughs> yep, we are. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back with you next time. Remember, go to wonderparenting.com and you can leave questions there or go to Facebook and do a search of Wonder of Parenting and we'll let you in the group and some great conversations happening there. Uh, thanks again, Michael. We'll see you all next week. All right.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.